0: Hey: Santa? Hey, Phil. I come across with a wide sweep of my battle axe as you uh, duck underneath it, um, just in time for you to pull your rapier and uh, thrust in my direction, which I clumsily move out of the way as you clip my shoulder uh, and rip my T-shirt through the shoulder by my neck.
1: Are we going to kiss or are we talking about Narrative combat?
0: Uh... (laughs) We better talk about narrative combat. (laughs) Uh, cue music. (laughs) And welcome to another fine episode of pandas talking games i am your host phil
1: and i am your other host senda who didn't have to come up with a thing but thought she was going to for a second there you just
0: you don't know which way it's gonna go
1: i don't know which way it's gonna go I'll be you honest, almost went
0: there i'll be honest i don't even know until we actually do it <laughs> until like, it's you not, open your mouth. i don't i don't i don't yeah. script that part like it just make it up on the fly
1: I know. Anyway, welcome. I'm really aware
0: of that. (laughs) Welcome to episode 241, um, with our uh, very racy opening. Um, Oops, we
1: don't script that either.
0: Just we don't script any of this, right? Like we (laughs) we have some notes for the next part of this, Um, but actually our uh, our opening uh, ties into um, our question for the evening, as it often does. Um, Tell us about um, who has our has a question where did it come from and what is that question
1: oh so many things to remember so this question is from joe parlata on the slack uh the slack room one of our patreon uh backers thank you so much joe um and joe asked um or specifically said on the slack i think i need an episode of mmp or pandas to teach me how to make narrative combat a la dungeon world function i have tried so many times and it always feels bad
0: yeah, so Aww. yeah, so we never want I mean we never want anyone to feel bad um, doing something in a game. Uh, so we'll, we're gonna share some insights on narrative combat. Now, I'll tell you narrative combat doesn't have the easiest of definitions. So we are gonna start with a couple definitions and kind of build up some vocabulary for this. We'll talk about some advantages. We'll share some tips that we have. In terms of uh, making some, you know, making good narrative combat. And we'll also talk about some pitfalls at the end because um, I don't want to give the appearance that, um, you know, oh, this, you know, narrative, sub, what often sometimes thought of as indie kind of combat thing is, you know, superior to all other forms of play. It is not. It is just a form of play. It has some advantages. It has some disadvantages. We're going to cover a little bit of e- a little bit of that as well as share some tips, because really, uh, we want Joe and by way of Joe, uh, the rest of you to get the most out of your narrative combat. Yeah. Makes sense. And,
1: yeah. And honestly, you know, as usual, decide if it's the kind of thing that you like and want to have in your game or not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess for full disclosure, uh, it is actually my favorite form of combat.
1: It is mine too. I, I don't feel like we have to be straight up with that. Like, Because of the style of game that I tend to play most frequently, it is the style of combat that I most frequently engage
0: with. But I don't want people to despair because um, years ago when I was playing Iron Heroes and Savage Worlds and 3-5 and all of that, um, I very much played... Um, full tactical combat with battle mats and minis, and
1: I still have a drawer full of minis that are specifically my characters.
0: Yeah, so you've so you've right? you've, exp- you've done it as well. So <laughs> yes. I, I want people. I don't want people to be like, "Well, Phil and Send to just play indie games," so they just you know they're going to gush all over narrative combat. Not true. We are going to talk about narrative combat because that's what Joe's asking for. But but know that we have both played both styles. I will say that right now, where I am in my gaming, just like I said a few minutes ago, right now, narrative combat is my jam.
1: Yeah. Yep. I would. I would agree that that is for me as well. Okay.
0: For the moment. Cool. Yeah.
1: Anyway, but so hit us with some definitions so we can actually have this conversation. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's, there's kind of a lot of pieces yep. here. Let's start with the opposite of narrative combat. Let's start with tactical combat, right? Sure. So first of all, we got to just be clear, right? When we're talking about combat, we're talking about when a game drops into. Um, combat or in some games conflict, whatever. Um, this is not like your uh, like minute-to-minute narration. This is um, when we're in a combat scene, right? Yes. All right. So when
1: we start talking about six seconds, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, perfect, right? So tactical combat, <laughs> right?
1: Tactical. Tactical
0: mm-hmm. combat is um, a case where um, when you're running combat, you have um, various table aids, right? like a like battle mats with five foot squares and you have minis and you might have some additional like um, props, like you might have um, fireball templates or, you know, those kinds of things. And the idea is that um, as you are playing combat um, movement, like positioning and movement is, is incredibly important where you are on the tactical grid um, and I think you might remember this from your days of playing Pathfinder and D&D and stuff. Things like uh, things yeah. like calculating, like where to put the fireball so that the radius so of the much. fireball doesn't hit your party, but to- yes. gets as many of the bad guys as possible. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or am I close enough to reach that person so I can do healing on them be- you know, like before they die?
1: Well, as a rogue player, it was always about—and this isn't how it works anymore, right? Flanking. But for me, it was all about the flanking, and I am like the queen of the flanking.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and how? And how do you calculate if you are flanking a creature that takes up more than one square? Oh, I remember. I these, still remember. I these remember rules. these rules,
0: right? <laughs> Got to be able to draw a line between. Got to be able to
1: draw a line yep. through the center of the creature.
0: Yep. Right. So in in tactical combat, each turn right we we make we move on the grid um what we can and can't hit is determined by its very like its precise positioning on the like on the battle mat okay that is tactical combat a, a totally valid way to run combats like i said i have run so many of them in my so time so many okay yes narrative combat is the opposite of that it is having a combat where we don't have any table aids and that the combat is taking place in the shared narrative space of our discussion of the game. Right. Yes. Um, this is sometimes known as the theater of the mind, right? right. Sometimes the people will refer to this. I think, Old. I think us old timers. will call yeah, it. This I
1: think th- it is a little bit of an old timer. Yeah. Way to theater to, of the mind.
0: Yeah. Um, for me, actually, it is the way I actually came up in D&D. I didn't actually start with minis. I actually started Theater of the Mind, then by third edition went to maps and minis, and then went back to Theater of the Mind again. Um, but in Theater of the Mind, our space is just the shared narrative space. That is, I say, if I was the GM, I would say like what the room looks like and approximately where everyone is. And maybe I would use something like a um quick dirty drawing to kind of show you like just to like, a, like a
1: sketch a sketch yeah. anything just so to so help you have an idea of the the shape of the room and the major
0: features right. It, right just to yeah. set the um just to set the what it looks like and then everybody would take their turns and just describe what they're doing and we would just continue to play in that shared narrative space um without any props okay that's Probably So I, I did some Googling on this right before the show. And so when I Googled narrative combat in in the D&D world, that's all it's talking about, right? Is whether you're playing uh, in your shared narrative space or you have stuff at the table. Right. But indie but. players have like a little <laughs> bit more yeah. of a definition <laughs> about uh, narrative combat because it, it takes into account another term which we need to define, which is called fictional positioning. Mm -hmm. Um, and fictional positioning is when something that you narrate has, um, that something you narrate affects the mechanics of the, of, of the game. Right. So that, um, a good example of this would be like fictional positioning. Like, let's say I'm going to do a non-combat one, but I I think this will make the point. I am locked in a room and, um, I want to punch my way through the door. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if the door is made of like flimsy wood. Sure. I like, then I could make my rolls do damage to the door, eventually break down the door. Right. Depending on the game system. Right. Maybe my, my, my punches do 1d4 damage and like, you know, the door absorbs two points of damage, but can only take seven, eight points of damage before it collapses, whatever. A little bit of a little bit of time and rolling, I, I break through the door.
1: You can get through it, yeah.
0: If the door is made of steel, mm-hmm. right, it doesn't matter whether I can do one d four damage with a punch. I, I literally can't punch through this door.
1: Yeah, not with your fists. There's there's no, no, I mean, we're not playing a supers game.
0: Correct. Now, now <laughs> in a in, a, in a very mechanical game, the door would be represented by having like some armor absorption, like some like some sort of absorption like armor absorption that's like 10, so that there's no way my 1d4s could could punch through it, and infinitely I could punch the door um and never get anywhere. But in narrative combat. With fictional and using fictional positioning, with fictional positioning, I literally can't hurt the door, right? Like, I just, I don't have the fictional positioning to do it. Now, if in the room there is a blowtorch. Sure. Right? Yeah. And now I want to use the blowtorch to cut through the door. Um, I now have the fictional positioning right by getting the blowtorch I now have something that is capable of doing damage to the door and therefore I can engage the mechanics for damaging the door yeah is that good does that make sense.
1: I think so. I think it pretty much does. Okay. I mean, I think a lot of times in combat, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know I get a little bit mushy about these terms, I just do the things. Sure, and sure. like, there's a certain amount of this that becomes instinctual, and then you don't think about, as you're playing it, separating these out. So I know that I'm sometimes in that place and haven't necessarily thought about them in a really mechanical way. Um, but this is where we get into stuff like, if I'm attacking you... And I'm like, aha, this brazier full of hot co hot coals. Braz wait.
0: <laughs> brazier full of hot
1: coals? Wait. What's I the gotta, name of the
0: it's a metal? Uh, thing, brazier holds, is the word you're looking you. for. Brazier. You know, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> Knowing who you are for a moment, I just let it go because I was like, I don't know, what weird like what weird setting is she about to make up? But when you stumbled, I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, like, "Wait!" The wrong word. I'm flattered that you thought I was going to a real place with that. (laughs) Oh, I honestly, I legitimately thought you were going with a place with that. Like, I was like, I was like, hmm, is it a, is it a steampunk setting? Is it like some sort of like, is it some sort of musketeer thing? Like,
1: I've completely forgotten what my example was, but it involved setting things on fire. So,
0: oh, I can help you. Let's say.
1: Let's just set this place on fire because I always feel like that's a really strong fictional position well, is to be like, I set it on fire.
0: Well, here, let's do it in combat. Let's say that, um, let's say that you have a brazier. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> full of flaming coals, <laughs> and you strike somebody who's just wearing cloth armor. <laughs> fictional positioning would demand that that person possibly catch fire. Right? Maybe there's a percent yes. chance, maybe they just do whatever. Maybe
1: they do, depends on how you're playing. Exactly. Versus like, I'm putting coals on you, good, they take fire damage, which would be a very mechanical, sure. tactical way to deal with it. Yeah. This damage is X amount of damage, and it is fiery damage from your, <laughs> yep. because it's just so hot in here with your Brazier.
0: <laughs> so I think the takeaway... <laughs> To move us and <laughs> getting ready to move us into the next section.
1: Oh, my God. The
0: takeaway from this is that, <sighs> one, narrative combat exists in our shared narrative space of us telling the story. Fictional positioning is a case where what you describe in the fiction gets translated into something that happens mechanically um, in the game. Okay. Yes. Now, Good. those two are not necessarily joined together. You can just do narrative combat in your shared narrative space using your very tactical game like Dungeons and Dragons, and you're perfectly fine, and it mm-hmm. works perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Or you could be in in the case of Joe's um, question, talking about Dungeon World, where yes. Dungeon World has a very simple move for doing damage which is the hack and slash move and it's pretty like when you read the text of hack and slash it is very dry Mm -hmm. what makes hack and what makes combat in dungeon world exciting is that like all pbta games you have to lead with the fiction and end on the fiction so i don't just say in dungeon world i'm gonna hack and slash this this goblin Mm. i need to say what i'm doing like I'm taking my axe and in like a downward stroke, I'm going to just, I'm attempting to cleave this goblin. I'm going to make two goblins out of one. Right. Right. And then and I roll yeah. hack and slash and yeah. then I get my result. And then we translate what that means to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is important in dungeon world because on a 10 plus, it's not very interesting. Right. I just hit the goblin. I make two goblins out of one. Right. Right. No big deal. On a seven to nine, I'm going to, I'm going to do damage and take damage. So I clip the goblin. I do not turn him into two goblins. Maybe I do. But he also, in turn, the goblin stabs me in the leg or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where that fictional positioning and that, that narrative positioning, where that, like, that um, positioning really comes into play is, when I miss and I roll yes. that six minus... Yes. What happens to me has a lot to do like when as a GM, when I'm going to take my move against you has a lot to do with what you were doing. Yes. In response to it. So
1: because if you had your giant ax and you were doing a, big huge all your strength downward swing to make the one goblin into two goblins and the goblin just sidesteps then you have all this forward momentum and you might just stagger forward and step off the edge of the cliff and be dangling by your hand right but if you were trying to stab the goblin gracefully with your rapier and just run him through then like the the thing that might go wrong when you miss is very different like maybe the Rapier hits the like (laughs) disc of precious metal that is right on his chest and like swoops off to the side and you know puts you off balance, right? Like, those are two very different things, very different, completely based on how you set up that attack to begin with. Exactly, positioning now
0: that is in comparison, that does not happen in Dungeons and Dragons by the rules. Like, yes. not saying how people play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm right, saying, yeah, I'm we playing. have
1: to we have to talk about like what the book actually says. Right. If <laughs> I miss
0: if, if I miss with my axe swing in D&D, I miss. Right. You missed it. I missed. And that's fine. We move on to the next person's turn. When mm-hmm. you get a six minus in Dungeon World on the hack and slash move, the GM's move plays off of what you described. So just yes. saying I hack and slash is not enough. Now, it, doesn't,
1: it doesn't help the GM at all.
0: <laughs> it doesn't help the GM at all. And also the thing that um, most PBTA games will tell you is that you have to actually trigger the move by saying something. Yes. Right? And, and the reason you have to do that is for just all the reasons we explained. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's narrative combat. Now, what's cool about narrative combat, right? Like, you know, why, why do people even like it? Um, so let, let's first talk about um, the fact that um, it's cheaper.
1: Yeah, you don't have to have all the stuff. There's no you don't have to have, you know, the battle maps and the minis and 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 like or or tokens to, you know, however you represented your monsters. For me, there were always a lot of monsters who were shaped like dice because that's what I had available. Oh, but sometimes I, I had monsters, the actual
0: monsters. My monsters were forever dice. Like Yeah. <laughs> or I had um in the um, early 2000s I had a CD of um all these um token images oh, and yeah. I would print, print them, out, them on them cardstock out. and cut them yeah. out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're going to have all of those. You have to have then to do the combat. If you do it tactically, you have to have whatever bits you require to make you have fun doing right. that. Um, narrative combat doesn't require any of the bits. <laughs>
0: now again, because you know, and we're never speaking down. If part mm. of your love of D and D is buying yeah. minis and setting up like cool or, like, dungeon, like on your table, rock yeah. on narrative combat's Do not it. the thing it's not the
1: thing, not really, the thing to worry about here yeah. and 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 to be honest like the reason i still have all my minis of all of my characters is it was a mini for a specific character oh, who was specifically mine. picked out and oh, yeah. and then i specifically painted to look like that character yep. like I, you know I mean that, and that was that. I, I really had fun doing like, them. I'm, I'm never getting rid of them.
0: I have a few Ever. of those. I suck at painting. I had friends paint them for me, but um, I have uh-huh. a few characters like that. That yes, same thing. Um, right,
1: keep forever. Yeah. Keepsakes. All right. So anyway,
0: so good. one, you don't have to buy. You don't have to buy or have that stuff. Um, two, I will say, in conjunction with that, for conventions and things like that, you travel pretty light with narrative combat. Yeah. Like I have a pretty small GM kit. That, mm-hmm. you know, because the games I play have narrative combat, um, at most I need like a little bit of something to draw, you know, the room on to set the set the stage. But after that, it's no problem. So, one, my pack is lighter. Yes. And two, I can squeeze into small places at cons. Yep. Like small tables and things like that and yeah, have no, no problem playing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like your Savage Worlds guys are like, you know, trying to chain a couple tables together and like building sets (laughs) and with lighting and smoke machines and don't get don't get me wrong, I love you, Savages. It's pretty
1: incredible, but I love you, Savages. But but there is there is like a suitcase with wheels on it that usually travels if you're going to accomplish that sort of thing, Um, which I just don't. Yeah, I'm like we 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 have a history of finding a tiny table somewhere in the lobby with enough chairs around it. And you know, it's just enough space to like roll some dice basically
0: and just rock on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it is an advantage.
0: Another, another advantage. Um, and this one's tough because, um, this will depend on players. Um, immersion is sometimes better when you do it with narrative combat, because when you do narrative combat, um, you just stay in that kind of space where you're visualizing what the battlefield looks like, what your character's doing, et cetera. When you have, when you're doing tactical combat and everything's on the table, um, as much as you are in your character, you also then have to like count squares. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're the wizard, you're you're not even just counting like you're not even just counting your movement. You're <laughs> so like you know squares. Right. You're counting right. out your you know radii and all of that stuff, and that is actually <laughs> pulling you into um, a different level of the game. That's pulling you into kind of the game level, which is like the parts about the rules, the game, and things like that. And so, if immersion, if deep immersion is your thing, and there are people out there who love deep immersion, um, then you know that that's where like you can disrupt you, it by. Yeah. What we, what we can combat. say is
1: you will spend less time at the game level, although still probably some time because most, um, many systems still have some sort of randomizer in combat that you have to engage with at the game level. Right. Oh yeah. So it, it's, it's not a question of if you will engage the game level, but it is a question of how long you will spend there
0: or right? how much jumping how much, back and forth you got to do. Yeah.
1: How much fight. flippy back and forth. Right. Yep. Um, so that's a thing. And, and that ties hand in hand with, um, and it depends on, again, like what is the joy that you take from, from yep. games. Um, for me, I have a lot of, um, I really take pleasure in visual storytelling. Um, and the kind of imagery that we can get at the table. And combat is one of those times when you can get a lot of that imagery because it tends to be very dramatic when you think about like really high drama scenes from a lot of the things that we tend to take inspiration from. Like, if you think about, you know, Luke Skywalker um, clinging to the bottom of uh, the, the Cloud City, right? Like, that's the kind of stuff that could happen in combat narratively and that I might be describing and it just sends a little frisson of joy up my spine to be able to have those moments in deep description. Um
0: yeah, so I w- I, w- I would challenge you to say that um it would be tough to I think be as excited about um the battle, the fencing duel between Anigo Montoya and <laughs> um and Wesley as a tactical uh, combat yeah. with a battle mat where you're just like okay I'm gonna move um, um, 15 um, feet back right, right and gonna, then I'm
1: gonna use Tybalt because that cancels out Capifera right. okay
0: <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to the narrative version of that um, because again we're many of us are accustomed to seeing it on film but it actually was a narrative because it was yes. a book.
1: Yes. Um, Well, it was narrative in and film translates narrative for us visually. Exactly. The cues that we get from films and that sort of media that we can consume um, translate really nicely to narrative. Right. Exactly.
0: So, yeah. So, again, that's another advantage is that, like, if you love a bit more description, a bit more visualization, to your cinematic, exactly a cinematic. See, I was I was trying to avoid the word cinematic, only okay. because cinematic sometimes is like over the top, and that's going to depend on your game system.
1: It does depend on your game system. It also depends on who you play with. If you're playing with me, it's going to be cinematic.
0: <laughs> Correct, and I always lean towards that as well. But that's a personal preference. It is a personal um, preference. It's a personal preference, fair. and I also play games that support that. Um, mm-hmm. But if you like, if you like combat scenes, if you like. The description, the feel of them. Narrative combat has just more narration. Yeah. Like, that's it right there. It has more narration. And then once you plug in your styles. Yes. Right. Then you can get into, like, then you can really get into, like, if I want to do, like, when I do action movie world when I run that yes. game like there's lots of explosions oh, I, you know like I, I mean I ham it up my like my narrative it's combat boring. is like really hammed up because that's the genre <laughs> that's the setting like we get like really into like you know talking about cars rolling over and explosions yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and that's and, and again it's that, it, like that's not going to quite come across the same in tactical combat as it will in narrative Okay. Yes. So cool. What,
1: yeah. Are I you should good? say, yeah. Well, I'm gonna say one more thing. As we discuss these, for the sake of clarity, we are kind of talking about them both in their purest forms, and I think many people blend them. So, like, Thank don't be you. don't be like, I play tactical combat, but I still describe this stuff. Okay, we're we're not really talking about that. We are talking about the purest forms of these two things. I think many people sit somewhere on this spectrum,
0: right? Fantastic. Let me tell yeah. you that. Before, where I was just totally not with you with the flaming, brazi- like the flaming coals <laughs> in the brazier. <laughs> I actually was thinking and I was like, I was going to hold off saying anything about it. Sure. But because you said it, you are 100% correct. I have played plenty of Savage Worlds games where after something cool happens, we all stop and narrate it. And yes. then we go back to pushing minis around on the table.
1: Right, absolutely and I have played a ton try. of Savage Worlds in narrative, like true narrative combat also, right? Like that absolutely happens too. Anyway, so I had to just say that because I feel like there are, you know, nah, hundreds you... of Twitter accounts screaming out. Um... 100%. Good job. <laughs> okay, um, cool. So carrying it on. So, so the next part of this is um, Joe's actual question, which is how do you make narrative combat actually function? Right. So what are the things that we actually do to make it work? As Tim Gunn would say, make it work, make it work, make it work.
0: Um, so we came up with a couple tips, just a handful um, of tips. So I thought we just thought we'd share some of them. Um, do, would you like to start?
1: Sure. Um, cool. So uh, a couple things just that are actually pretty related. There's one main one for me was sort of two subcategories that relate to it, I think. Um, and I, it's the, the main one is you have to work at it to keep it from getting repetitive. Meaning that if you are in a situation where you really are just like attacking a horde of 50 goblins with a sword, right? There is a point where describing every slash of your sword, there are only so many ways that you can describe that before it gets kind of old, right? So the first thing is to keep it from getting repetitive if you can. And then the other two things about that um, are specific, you know, things that relate to if it gets repetitive. And the first one is um, keeping combat to the right length, which means as long as it needs to be to accomplish the narrative purpose that you're accomplishing by having combat, but not any longer than that, right? So narrative combat does not work well, especially with a lot of descriptive you know, work involved. It's not very successful if you are in a situation where like, um, you know, you just came across a horde of, of 50 goblins and you're going to talk through the murder of each of these goblins individually <laughs> over the next three to four hours, right? Like that is where it won't necessarily be successful for you because it will be, start to become a struggle. It'll get old and it'll get dry, right? Um, And then the other part of this is in order to keep yourself from repeating the same thing over and over again, um, you can actually practice descriptions. And you can do that both by, like, actually practicing words and saying things. And it is a skill that you will get better at because it is, um, you know, partially at least an improv skill. So I get to now um, tout, you know, Karen Twelves' book again, Improv for Gamers. Great resource. Helps you just get the juices flowing. Highly recommend, right? Um, But... What you're really doing is being able to describe things um, in really interesting interactive ways on the fly. And that just means having your brain up and moving in that way that improv makes it move. And that's a skill that you can practice. Um, but it also means that you can consume media that works for the genre that you're running so that you have images in your head to help you describe things, right? Because if something happens, you can sit down and you can be like, oh, it's like that scene because that was so cool. So, you know, when our two characters meet at the top of the cliffs and draw their rapier then we can be like oh we're gonna banter right like it's gonna be great (laughs) um we're gonna have this fight like you know who are you who are you I'm looking for the six-fingered man cool um and we're gonna actually have that like that that kind of scene we can describe that we can pull on that um sort of shared understanding of tropes to help describe and keep things moving forward um so yeah media is inspiration and practice um, I think are two parts to go with that. But I think a lot of I think a lot of narrative um combat sometimes falls down in terms of being successful because of the repetition and then that is, you know, directly ties into the length of combat. So if you expect combat to be two to three hours long, like it would be for tactical combat, you're probably not gonna be successful at being super narrative for that entire time.
0: Uh yeah, I have some I have some advice that will tack off of that.
1: Yes. Go. Are, are it's you all good? you. Okay. yes that was
0: all of me all right so I'm gonna um, so the first one I'm gonna say is that when you so narrative combat's a decision you make during the game it is not one um, so it's not a one and done thing like yeah. you can totally have tactical combat sometimes and narrative combat sometimes whatever so obviously you're gonna want to just kind of hash that out with your players and get a feel for like get everybody at the table get a feel for like how much narrative combat? are you going to have in your game? Like maybe most of your game is narrative combat, but occasionally you throw together a big tactical one for like a big fight scene, a end boss kind of thing, whatever. Um, along with that, right. So along with setting some expectations about that, um, I would also have the discussion about the role of fictional positioning, um, within the game that you're going to run right now, maybe the rules of your game have some rules about fictional positioning, Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But what I mean by that is, when you are doing narrative combat, are you going to give any kind of mechanical bonuses for narrative positioning? Now, if your game just does that, then it does, and don't worry about having a discussion about this. But for instance, if I'm playing D&D and and i am playing narrative style, maybe I tell the players, like, listen, on occasion, if your narration's really good, you might get advantage. Yeah, right. In fact, actually, I think advantage like, that is one of the ways you get advantage is narrative positioning, I think, is um yeah, I was they, thinking yeah. I was thinking more of a I, so let me just back up and explain this. When I was coming mm-hmm. up with this example on the fly, I was thinking like 3.0 Three where I would have been like yeah. you could get a plus 2. Plus 2, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I quickly jumped to 5E, which is like you would get advantage, right? So I can do that, right? I can say like, look, if your narration's really good, you can get advantage. On an attack roll or whatever, or, um, here's a Benny. Yeah, maybe right. Depending on your game, like whatever yeah. it is, um, might give you, you know, whatever. Um, in fate, I might lower your difficulty, right? Sure. Um, that kind of thing. So it could be optional. It could be necessary. So if you're playing like something like Dungeon World, like I absolutely, you absolutely have to do, um, like fictional positioning right i absolutely need you to do that uh, in order to make the game go (laughs) um or i might just not want to do any of that like the game i'm like the game i'm running i'm just like i'm not really engaging in any of that we're just not playing with a battle mat right that's an that's a gauge right you can turn that up and down um i personally like it when it's optional um like if the game doesn't demand it then i like it when it's optional like i will like sometimes say like look if you really describe it or really come up with something like I'm going to help that out in the game. Like, yeah, I'm going to
1: reward you. Yeah. I'm going to reward you player for feeding me cool stuff to feed back to you.
0: Yeah. You know, if you're just being super creative about how to like, how to do a thing or accomplish a thing, then yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to kick in some mechanics to help that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, That's worth setting some expectations for your player so that they also know, um, because it helps them. Like if they know that, um, narrative positioning could lead to bonuses, then when shit gets critical, they'll do they'll it. They'll get descriptive, <laughs> right? Yes. Because they're going to want that advantage.
1: Which is um, also when you want them to get descriptive because it's yeah. also when things get intense and cool.
0: Which is good because that means they'll lean into the descriptions. Yeah. All right, the next one. Um, so one of the things that's like kind of really fluid when you play narrative style is um, distance and positions.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs>
0: I don't, and I don't kill myself on these, right? So I have a personal rule and I'm just going to share this rule. Um, My rule of distances is roughly like this. It'll depend a little bit on the game system you're playing, but it goes kind of like this. If it's close enough and you're like, can I move to engage that person? If I think you're relatively close enough, the answer is yes, right? We don't take out any rulers. We don't measure it. Just yes, you're close enough so if there's 15 combatants in the room and you just killed your your recent combatant you're like i'm going to engage another combatant i'm like no problem you engage another combatant right yep yes just simply yes hand wave it if it's so far away that um it's impossible to reach in the course of one turn then i will simply say something like um no, you can't get there this turn, but you could get there by next turn if you use this turn to move. Yeah. Right? So basically I impose X number of turns to get to a place in combat. And combat's usually, it's never more than one turn. Um, Unless the place you're playing in is really big. Huge. Right. Um, the The middle of that is that if I think it's fairly close but um, it's not easily reachable, then I might ask the player to engage like some sort of movement check or something. Like in Fate, it might be like, I want to get to this location. Can I get there? And I'd be like, mm, it's a little bit out of your range, but with a you know difficulty to athletics check, you could reach it this turn. Yeah. Right? So it's either, it's either, Yes, you can reach it. Yes, you could reach it based on some check, or yes, you can reach it in X number of turns. Yes. That's my whole movement system when I play, <laughs> and regardless of the game, bans. I have an adapt. I have an yeah. adaptation of that for every game, um, and I just make rulings around that. Um, and basically, it goes like this: like if the players have something kind of cool lined up, um, I don't like. When I'm playing in narrative style, five there's no five feet short, right? If I'm playing yeah. tactical and a player is five feet short of the target, they're five they're feet five short feet of the, short. the target. That's it.
1: Yeah. But if we're
0: playing narrative, then I'm just like, no, nah, that's cool. Get them. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: And you have to be willing to do that as a GM, right? Like, yeah. you have to just give it to them because you're not calculating that out. So, you know, not we've talked about this before. The vision in everyone's head is only as good as we can make the vision in everyone's head. And it's all a little bit different. So, you know, all of that flexes by f- a five foot square or more. Right. So, you know, their understanding of where they are is probably that they can hit that thing if they're asking you. And so, you know, if you're like, yes, you're close enough to hit it. You wouldn't be like you're five feet away. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Like Correct.
0: Correct. Okay. Um, my last piece of advice then um, is, and this kind of ties into what you were saying, yeah. is like, there are times when you need to push on the players and yourself to do good narration. And then there's times when you can just relax. So like, for instance, at the start of combat, I like to start off with some really good narration, right? Yes. I want to get, like I, I want to get tone. It I want to get tone, feel. Yeah. Right. If the combat starts to go long, then I will, like, if the players keep narrating hard, no problem. I'll stay with them. But, like you said, with the repetition and things like that, if it starts to slow down a little, I'm not as much of a stickler, right, for a little while. But if somebody gets off, like, a really sick critical, then I'll quick pause, rewind, and, like, play that piece out with more narration. Yeah. You know, like all of a sudden somebody's like, I'm going to roll to hit the guy and like rolls like a critical. It's like, whoa, back up. How were you attacking him before you like before you leveled this critical? Right. And then go through that narration and then keep going. And of course, if the big bad's going to like if the big bad's on his way down, um, you know, to being defeated, then I'm going to pick up the narration again. Um, But the idea is like, don't burn out on it. Like. There are no absolutes to this, like to any of this advice, right? There's yeah. so like, there's so much like on Twitter of people just being like, "You must, you must," like, no, yeah. you don't, no, you don't. know you, even if you're Figure playing full narrative for you, even like, if you're playing full narrative combat, sometimes it's okay to say, "I just hit him." And you know yeah, what? I'm gonna I, bla- I'm gonna just I say blasph. I'm just gonna blasphemy right now, right? Sometimes what? it's okay in dungeon world to just say I'm going to take a hack and slash move. <laughs> I rend I, your garments. No, I'm going to rend, rend
1: my garment right now. But what I'm going to say is because I I don't usually just say I'm going to hack and slash, I just say I stab I'm going to stab him. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, <fine.
0: laughs> right. And, and if that's all you say to me, I'm like whatever, make your hack and slash, roll. you know what you're doing.
1: Right. Yeah. But
0: I'm just saying like I don't like not every time. Do you have to be like, with a glint in my eye, I'm going to thrust forward by taking a step with my left leg and thrust this dagger into this goblin's face? Sometimes you just stab the goblin in the face.
1: It's okay. Yeah. It's Sometimes okay. you just stab him.
0: And again, the thing with the rewind button and stuff like that, if all of a sudden you get a really sick hit or a really, like, or you, terrible you know, a yeah. terrible outcome, Backup, then rewind, yep. collect some narration, move forward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's fine. Like, it is.
1: God, it's fine
0: for god's sakes, people
1: like it's don't fine. be repetitive <laughs>
0: it's, fine. it's okay i can only
1: sub- describe my my sword singing through the air with the 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 you know the wind whistling against it so many times and in so many ways
0: i'll tell you a really quick story before we kick into some of the disadvantages okay
1: it's got to be quick though because no, we no, said we fine. were going to be fast i know no, we're i
0: know we're running tight we're we're okay <laughs> we're not not all is lost um on the Thing about being repetitive. Bob used to have this really bad habit in four E that when a creature became bloodied, that it would like you uh, would like drop to the ground, cough up some blood, right, and then it was like bloody. <laughs> so you just always knew if the it creature became like a little stick the in the game. <laughs> like you know, we'd we'd hit something, and we'd be like, "Did it cough up any blood?" <laughs> right, like waiting for the bloodied marker. It, it, so hit
1: it again. Hit it again. Yeah. Did it cough up?
0: Yeah, did it cough up any blood? Because that's important, right? Like, some of our powers are going to go off in a second.
1: <laughs> but only when it coughs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway. It, and again, it's tough. Sometimes it's not, it, like sometimes, especially in a longer combat, being repetitive is hard. So do yep. what you can. Back yeah. off the detail sometime, turn it up when yep. you need it. turn it up. All right. Turn let's talk up, about let's, let's talk about pitfalls. Like this sure. isn't all just roses. Like yes, you can play <laughs> at a small table and yes, you don't have to buy a hundred minis and save yourself money. But the whole thing isn't. It isn't just sunshine here. Um, here's some of the pitfalls that you get into. Um, first of all, narrative combat requires a shared narrative space, and um, that means like you got to do a good job setting up that shared narrative space. If you don't, uh, and somebody is off
1: by yeah. description,
0: by who's in the room, whatever, combat's going to get weird.
1: It does, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? Like if people yeah. didn't realize there was a yeah. pit in the middle of the room. Yes, right. And you just weird like Weird
1: things like, happen.
0: Yeah, weird things happen. So they're like,
1: I'm just going to run across the room, and you're like, What about? You're just going to uh, well, fine. And, make like, a check right to jump the over pit? the pit, like, like wood yeah. pit, wood pit, yeah. Right.
0: Right. So it requires a shared narrative space that, um, requires work. So, um, it is going to require extra cognitive loads, require a little extra work on your part as a GM and your players parts as well, because they are also going to have to keep in mind the room with the pit in the middle. Yes. Okay. Um, do you want me just to go through these or do you want to just jump in on, on do you want to just color sure. each one of these or do you well, want to yeah, switch back?
1: Uh, no, I was going to say I can jump in on this one because this is kind of what go my ahead. tip was, but it's also sort of the thing, right? Narrative exhaustion when combat goes long. Yeah. Right. Because eventually you hit that repetition point or you can't come up with more new ways to say it or it's just a long combat. And the thing about narration, as much as I like it, it extends the time in combat because you are making each player's turn take longer because they're describing more stuff um so it is a thing if you if you run long combats already um adding in a bunch of narrative description is going to make them longer it just does it just is yeah
0: Uh, the next one is narrative positioning can can increase latency in combat Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like if people are describing a whole bunch of stuff every time that their you know turn comes up um, and you're describing stuff and they're describing stuff. Right. Like that takes longer than I rolled a hit.
1: Yes. And it's, it's more colorful. It's more colorful. It's really it. Hopefully it's interesting and fun to listen to. Right. Um, and. There's also a line here where if you are working with fictional positioning, then that description is actually potentially useful as well, yes. right? But if you're not, then this is a lot of color that can be interesting to listen to, but is not actually driving the game necessarily.
0: Yeah. And, and honestly, if it if it is having a mechanical impact, that may actually even increase latency if the GM has to kind of figure out yeah. like how that how goes. To, right? How to
1: deal with that. Yeah.
0: So it's mm-hmm. not the fastest. It, it, it's not necessarily the fastest of combats, which is why... Yeah. The like really heavy narrative combat systems pair well with shorter combat mechanics. Like yes, Dungeon World combat mechanics are relative. Like like hit points are relatively small in Dungeon World. Yes, um, for this purpose, right? Because combats tend to be faster, a bit brutish, um, mm-hmm. but um, you can pack a lot of narrative into it without getting narratively exhausted or without bumping out that. That latency. Yes. Yep. Um, The next one I'll say is like, look, narrative combat is dependent on everybody's energy levels, right? We talked about that shared narrative space. If people are wiped out, if people are tired, if people have been drinking, um, Mm. if uh, you've had like a rough day at work, holding the shared narrative space is hard. And sometimes just having a thing on the table is an easier option.
1: Yeah, um, and the last thing that we'll say about it is that it can intimidate people who are new to it, right? Yeah. In the same way that, you know, improv games or games where you have more shared narrative control generally mm-hmm. can intimidate people, um, you know, as, as they first approach it. Um, and the key to this one is that this is a learnable skill, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, and it, it's learnable both as a GM and as players, um, but it can require some practice. First time you do it, it might not be great, and that's fine. Do it again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> keep I sometimes going. like. Sometimes I will, um, with newer players, like if I'm playing something that's um, PBTA, um, I will ask them if I can embellish their description a little, mm-hmm. right? Just like, like, just to like sh- show by way of example, right? right? So they might be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna." Um, 'm you know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, run up and gonna stab him. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like cool. like like is like what like, what does your stab look like? like is it a is it a short thrust? Is it like a full body extension? like what you know, like just even asking like a little bit of those questions again, it's gonna bump out your latency a little. but kind of it in those teachable moments of play, yeah, right? Then players are like, oh, no, my like my guy's like really controlled. so like all of his moves are like you know like like quick little circles you know like circle back kind of so
1: it's actually really like a little slash yeah
0: yeah and then it's like oh cool okay now i understand what like your you know what your moves look like
1: yeah
0: so it is learnable. cool um i i think that's a nice like a little overview on narrative combat joe or anyone else if you have further questions about narrative combat we will happily um just make more episodes yeah we'll uh, yeah, just make
1: more it's fine
0: yeah we're very <laughs> happy to just add some more episodes onto this
1: yep um, and totally expand good. upon
0: it <laughs> but for now um we've kind of reached the anointed three quarters of an hour mm-hmm. so i need you to tell me about another show on the and mark network so we can jump to the closing
1: Yes! Um, Well, tonight I'm going to tell you about the Gnomecast, on which several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew. I'm going to say I was on, or am coming, I don't know if I was on a recent episode or am I coming on an upcoming episode, I... It's very difficult for me to track these things. I'm pretty sure because it was me and Jared that were getting all tossed in the stew again because, boy, it was about being off topic. And we were off topic. (laughs) We were demonstrating at the table. It was good. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's our show.
0: Say, Senda, how do people find us on the internet?
1: Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Or if you're very brave, you can find us on the Tiki Talkies. Um, Our our handles are the same as our individual Twitter accounts. Yes. And Phil, once they find us one of those places or manage to write that information down, what can
0: they do with it? Hey, just like Joe did tonight, uh, ask us a question about something in gaming right ask us a question pick a topic um you know ask for our thoughts on something whatever it is um we it's what we love to do the best um to be honest we talk a lot (laughs) so (laughs) we already know what we're gonna say to each other really where our excitement for doing the show comes from is helping you all to have better games right more fun more better um more better, more fun games. Um, And and really the way we do that is by finding things that you have questions about, because really, if one of you has a question, probably more than one of you has a question about it. Um, Yeah. So like we want, like, we want Joe to have a good time doing narrative combat. And we hope that some of this advice and some of our thoughts on it will help um, Joe have like more better fun narrative combat. Yeah. TM. More better fun.
1: More better, more fun.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, So anyway, uh, do that. Do that because that is um, is the thing we love. And if you do like what we're doing here um on pandas talking games or elsewhere on the misdirected mark network please consider supporting our patreon campaign go to patreon.com slash mmp uh patrons get access to the slack room for life that's where joe actually asked uh their question right yeah. in our rpg room
1: right in our um, rpg talk room a smart yeah. place to ask a question good Look place to ask an rpg <laughs>
0: question um and it was the kind of thing where i just saw it because i have slack open when i'm working i saw it and i was like yeah we'll do that topic um, and that's how this topic became a thing. Anyway, you get access to Slack room for life. You're going to get the bonus outtakes from, um, you're going to get the after show from Mr. Mark, the bamboo lounge from the show. Um, you can join our Friday luncheons, um, that we do on zoom for as long as the rest of us who are still working from home can work from home. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. If I have to go back to the office, I may still do them from my office and just be like, and just be like, I'm online with my friends. Screw it's all lunch. of lunch. Yeah. Um,
1: Y'all couldn't see, but he was definitely, you know, throwing a couple of birds at the camera there.
0: So I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> all of those things. Look, As as uh, as life returns to whatever the next normal is going to be, um, we'll be doing other stuff with our Slack community. Um, you guys have been fantastic. We've been hunkered down, um, kind of conserving emotional energy, but we're getting to a place in the next couple of months where that energy may be more abundant. Hopefully. Um, And if it is, then um, we're going to shower some more affection on our patrons because we love them.
1: Yeah. Actually, Um, there's a thing that um, dropped last Thursday um, from one of the gents at Mastering Dungeons. um, He has a fantastic thing about um, cooperative campaign building that actually just dropped to our patrons this last week. Yeah. So you should go check that out if you're a patron and you missed it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you should. And other stuff will we will have other stuff in the future. I promise. All right. Um, there is one more thing you can do. It supports our, if you listen to us, you will love us campaign from, uh, 2019. Um, that just holds true. That's a, that's a perennial at this point. If you listen to us, you will love us. Um, it's a thing that you can do besides telling your friends, please tell your friends, uh, post a thing on Twitter. When somebody asks like, what's your favorite, um, doesn't even have to be your favorite. What's a good podcast post. You know, if you throw our name up, that's fantastic. We love it. There's just one more thing you could do. Hmm. It requires a little more work. But if you could do it, it would be great. What's that thing?
1: You could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show and makes us feel warm and tumbly like pandas, not warm like sticking coals in your Brazier. That would be uncomfortably warm. Um, yes, so thank you so very much to everyone who has already left a review. We really, really, really appreciate them. They make us really happy. Um, and, like, let us know if you leave one and we don't respond to it because uh, we can't check everywhere, but I super love seeing them.
0: Awesome. Say, Senda, show me how you're going to describe... That awesome acrobatic sneak attack that your rogue loves to do.
1: Yes, well. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, eh, show me what you got, show me what you got, ay, show, me what you got ay, show me what you got, show me what you got, eh, show me what you got, show me what you got, ay. Bloop! Click, click. Hey, hey we're going to do this show so fast tonight. It's not even funny. I don't know if we're doing it
0: so fast. We're doing it. So fast. We're going to do it. Com- well, we're going to do it in a timely manner. Cool. Okay. We, we don't even have to mess around with this early part because we'll just hit the bamboo no. lounge at the end. Yes. Okay, you ready?
1: I am ready. I have too much thirsty sword. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah, you did that. I was waiting for you to start.